I am recording, so. Oh my gosh. Dang it. Mono <laughs> called open for us. I forgot to hit record. That's all right. You can just like splice it in up front with no explanation and then do the intro music and then go right That's into exactly the what's going to happen. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. How are you feeling, Kelly? We uh, we took a little two-day hiatus. Very long break. <laughs> Looks long for us. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing great. I am feeling rested, energized, ready to talk about video games. That's good, because there's a lot to talk about. There is. Yeah. we um, This month, we're going to be releasing on... Thursdays, except for a very special holiday that we'll be releasing on Monday. So mm. look forward to that. But how about we just get right into it, Kelly? Let's get into it. Let's dive Defin- in. Definitely objectively the biggest news in the industry, because just based on pure numbers, it, oh, my volume's all the way up, is the release of the trailer, the teaser trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie. This came out uh last week late last week we kind of told you about this because they did announce it was coming um so we got to see some bowser we got to see some penguins we got to see the mushroom kingdom a little bit we got to hear toad we got to we got to hear bowser um we heard kamak we heard um mario all right kelly give me your impressions what did you think of this trailer um, I thought the trailer was fun. I think it looks like the movie itself looks beautiful. Um, yeah. Very gorgeously animated, um, which I was kind of expecting. But uh, Jack Black sounds great. I think you probably hear him the most in this trailer as Bowser. Um, I thought it it seemed very true to its source material. And then I kind of heard Mario and I didn't know it was Mario at first. <laughs> um, people on Twitter say that Chris Pratt's Mario voice sounds a lot like Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers, uh, for those who are familiar. And yeah, it's one to one. And it is. It really is. Uh, you could you could have told me that was who was voicing Mario, and I one hundred percent would have believed you. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway was that the it looked really really good. Um, yeah, very pleasing to the eye, and I think that it would be it it might be difficult to get over Chris. Pratt's very interesting creative choices, but um, I think it might be worth it just to watch the movie. And I'm very excited to hear more of Luigi. Um, but yeah, uh, what were, what were your thoughts, Andrew? Very similar. I'm gonna be honest, like because I had a lot of pessimism about this movie going in, um, and then we saw that teaser poster, and I was like, you know what, that looks kind of interesting. And then, barring Chris Pratt's voice. I really liked this trailer. I thought it was very cute. I thought Jack Black was knocking it out of the park as Bowser. I think Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, um, he's pitched up, so he just sounds like Toad. So it's like not a weird voice on him. Um, I really like the style mostly. Mario's face is like a little weird, but like it's fine. He's still Mario, you know? It's not like they changed him to be like a dude. Um. I, I do hate Chris Pratt's voice in this because it's just Chris Pratt. 
with like a very slight Italian accent. And I'm just annoyed because I'm like, he, he all those interviews, we talked about them on the show where he was like, I'm going to transform Mario as you know him. You will hear something you've never heard before. Me and the director worked countless hours on this. And then what? He just walked in the studio and talked. So my big fear is that he's going to sound like he's phoning it in, you know, because I don't care if it sounds like Chris Pratt, if he sounds excited and happy. But in this, he just sounds like he just sounds like Chris Pratt talking. You know, there's no excitement behind the voice. And Mario is such an exciting, excited character. So Yeah. But my impressions are overall positive. I this does kind of go into what we talked about with teaser trailers that I didn't. I guess I understand what a teaser is now. Because I was like, I wanted more. This was not a real trailer. I needed. To, I wanted to see a lot more. Um, I really like the Bowser in the Ice Kingdom scene, but I feel like I wanted to hear the characters talk to each other more. I definitely feel like Luigi should have been in it more, and I definitely, definitely think we should have seen Peach, um, who yeah. we have seen thanks to some leaked imagery on the internet, and I think she's very cute. She's probably my favorite redesign. Because Bowser's not redesigned, really. He's like more detailed, but he just looks like Bowser. But Mario, Peach, and Luigi do look a bit different, and I think Peach is the cutest of the three. So. Yeah. I'm now excited to see this in theaters with you on April 7th. Like, I thought we were going to have to do it on the show as a meme, <laughs> but now I'm like, I just want to see it. Yeah. It still might be a little meme but. Yeah. Meme That's like how old people say the word meme. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that is not a meme is the launch of Overwatch 2, which was uh, last week. Um, That's and kind of a meme. It's been kind of a meme. I guess it has been. Um, <laughs> and why it's a meme is because the launch was an absolute failure. Um, uh, Blizzard and their uh, client, uh, Battle.net or whatever the server that Blizzard uses um, was apparently on the day of launch hit by some major DDoS attacks, which basically just mean that the server just gets like boom, 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 bombarded with stuff so that it can't do anything. Um, a lot of people, most everybody who tried to play encountered at least some issues. Um, I did not even touch it on launch day because I didn't want... I, I knew I was going to have to wait in long queues. Um, it was also uh, on launch. It required um, when you sign in or when you log in or when you create an account, uh, you have to enter a phone number. Um, but for some reason, Blizzard was just like not really thinking, which like, are we surprised at this point? But <laughs> on brand. They would not accept prepaid phone plans. So like Cricket is a prepaid phone plan like a pay as you go one of those that you like get at the at the target or whatever um or anywhere really they just weren't accepting prepaid phone plans um but uh so that was causing a lot of issues um for a lot of people because a lot of people do have prepaid phone plans and that's not unusual and that's not um unremarkable or no that's not remarkable so it's very it's a very big oversight um, Overwatch one players did not need to input their number because just because their accounts already existed, um, and mostly everything could be sort of merged over. But 
there were a lot of, of reports of people, you know, losing certain things when they merged their accounts to the second game, you know, losing skins, which is in this game, in Overwatch 2, losing a skin is going to cost you a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, not being able to play certain heroes, even though if you played Overwatch 1, you were they were all supposed to be available on launch. Um, so just a very, very messy launch. Um, I will say, I think it has calmed down um, as as the week has passed. Um, I will talk about it a little bit later, but I played a little bit today and I really had no issue logging on. I had no issue uh, getting into games. So obviously the problems have been um, ameliorated, but it was not great for a launch. Yeah, it feels like because this is like a transitionary game where they're like, this isn't a sequel, it's more like a big update, but they put the two on to create more buzz and like bring in new players, which I get. But for a game like that, you wouldn't expect this many problems, you know? It'd be like if, like, Fortnite, when Fortnite's like, Fortnite Chapter 3 or whatever they're on, that's, they make a huge number of changes, probably almost equivalent to the number of changes made in Overwatch 2. But there's no lapse in, like, service, there's no challenge in getting in. That's why I'm so confused. Like, it's the same basis. Why are they struggling so much? And maybe it is just that, like, one, the DDoS attacks, which, you know, are bad. I'm not going to be glad that a company I hate got DDoS because that's just bad. Um, but also maybe just, like, way more players than they anticipated. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like the situation. I just feel bad. Like, especially because, like, people who have prepaid phone plans, some people do it because that's what they can afford. And it's really not reasonable to be like, well, then you can't play Overwatch 2. If you can't afford, a, like, a traditional phone plan, you can't afford Overwatch 2. And it's like, it's supposed to be free. Yeah. Just because you're scared about people bullying? You're bullying people by doing that. Yeah. Blizzard. Whoa. You tell him, Andrew. Yeah. Um, but you know who the biggest bully in the video game industry is? Who? Elle Fanning. True. She's well known as being a gigantic bully only in the video game space. She goes to league tournaments and she just like gives the league players wedgies. <laughs> uh, no, Elle Fanning is a well-known actress in Hollywood and now it has been teased from Kojima Productions that she is going to be in his next game. We don't know what that is. It's probably Death Stranding too. We don't know what that is, but Elle Fanning is going to be a part of it. We also got a tease of another person, but we don't know who they are yet. So we'll probably be back to talk about that in a week or two or three. It's I'm really excited. You're in it? Yeah. It is an Asian woman. Oh, not me. Okay. <laughs> but maybe you're the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited, though. I really like Elle Fanning. I think she's incredibly talented. And putting her in a Kojima game seems like a fun combo. Because I really like the people that were in... Like, I feel like Leah Sado and, like, Margaret Qualley did such a good job in Death Stranding, despite my, anybody's opinions of the game. So seeing Elle Fanning... I, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm excited for you. It's it's a cool way to sort of reveal um, someone in your game. Because it was teased for a little while, but... Yeah. I hope that she and Kojima become just as buddy buddy as Kojima and Norman Reedus because that would be funny imagery yeah he has a very <laughs> interesting collection of um friends yeah really good <laughs> friends with like Mads Mikkelsen and Del Toro and Norman Reedus which like take out the relations to the Kojima products should not be a crew of people you'd expect to roll together <laughs> definitely not um 
some more announcements happened. Um, much to many people's surprise, I think. CD Projekt Red announced uh, eight new projects. So a new Witcher trilogy, uh, two spinoffs, a new IP, which is uh, codenamed right now, and then a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077. Um, this was announced in a uh, like a, a summit thing, but uh, a tw- it, it's all in a, in a tweet. Um, mostly everything is codenamed right now. Um, so The Witcher is like Sirius, Canis Major. They're all like stars. Uh, they're named after stars. But um, the new IP is the most interesting to me. Um, but something that I was shocked and surprised at was the Cyberpunk sequel. Um, I don't, and, um, uh, the game is successful. It has made a lot of money, so it's not, um, unusual for it to get a sequel. Um, and I think they are sort of building off a lot of the hype that's around it right now, just because of the uh, show, the Netflix series. And also a lot of people are just rejoining the game because of the Netflix series and the big patches and the new expansion. So, Can I read the description of Orion, the sequel to Cyberpunk, and see if it gets you excited? Yes. Cyber... Well, I'll get it right this time. (laughs) Cyberpunk 2077 sequel that will prove the full power and potential of the Cyberpunk universe. Which, if we trust them, if we think that CDPR has truly learned from their enormous blunders, that's a very exciting description. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I think that all of this is exciting. Um, I think it's very interesting that they are working on a new IP also. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the way they announced this because if you think about like the way Cyberpunk 2077 was announced with that cinematic trailer and then there was just this years of like weird hype cycle, I almost feel like just a text block of like, hey guys... Here's everything we're working on for full transparency so you don't have to worry about what's coming next. I kind of like that, you know? With some yeah. studios, I just feel like this might be might be the healthiest way to announce it and keep the hype reasonable. Definitely. So, um, related to this, I just wanted to, um, on a big plate, serve a giant meal. And the meal is my words. I'm going to eat my words. Um I continued watching Edge Runners finally. I know several weeks ago when it came out, I watched the first episode and said, nah, didn't like it. I heard a lot of a lot of hubbub and I decided, okay, okay, I'll give it another episode. I still don't like the first episode, but I do very much like the series. I watched it and I liked it a lot. And I think um, the studio deserves a lot of credit. I think it was basically the best like visual realization of a lot of cyberpunk elements especially like hacking and stuff, which I thought was visually underwhelming in cyberpunk looked really cool in edge runners. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was incredibly well-written, well-acted, well-animated. Again, I feel like they didn't put their best foot forward on the first episode. So if you listened to me and said, no, I'm not going to watch the show. um, Sorry. Listen to (laughs) me again. Try the first two episodes and see if you like it. It's really cool. Kelly, I'm glad you enjoyed it upon more viewing. Yeah, thank you. Um, do you know what you enjoy? What do I enjoy? Babylon's Fall. You've said it many times. I did. Yeah, I have. Yeah. 
uh, Babylon's Fall, very well-known live service, well, live <laughs> service game by Platinum and Square Enix came out March of this year, got played by like, I don't know, 35 people. That's kind of an exaggeration. It was more like six concurrent players. That's not even a joke. And they announced recently, as we talked about and made fun of, that the service will come to an end in February of 2023. Well, finally, CEO Atsushi Inaba has commented, and he says that he's extremely sorry for the disappointment that this may have caused to fans. Um, and this might might sound like a good thing, but he also followed up by saying that the plans that they have for future live service games are unchanged, which is really, really bad. That means that they are keeping on that concerning sounding path that we got from a few years ago or a few months ago. And I don't like that because like Babylon's Fall failed. Bayonetta 3 looks pretty much slated to succeed. Stop making live service games. Your single player games work. Yeah. It's yeah. bad news. Bad it's, news. It's uh, it's sad when a creator or developer has to be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you should never have to say sorry for like, not like a bug or like, oh, a, a, like a bad launch or something. Just, I'm sorry for this game. <laughs> it's just sad. It's sad for everybody who worked on it. It's sad for the nine people who played it. And it's sad for... Six. Oh, sorry. The six people who played it. And it's <laughs> sad for the studio. It's like, you could yeah. make a better game, but you didn't. And now it's it's going to be your focus still. It just, it doesn't quite make sense. Um, they could remake it. Remake Babylon's Fall? Oh, this is a transition. <laughs> yeah, um, remake Babylon's Fall. Yeah, just like EA has decided to remake Dead Space, which we have got a big long trailer for that released last week and a uh, release date, which is very exciting. Um, So... The trailer kind of goes over. I mean, if you've played Dead Space, Dead Space, God, I can't talk. Dead Spice. Dead Spice. It's like <laughs> the scary Halloween Spice Girl. Um, oh, or Australian Dead Space. Yeah. Um. It kind of goes through, just showing off what is looks better about the game now, which obviously the game has sort of been remade from the ground up, so. It all looks a lot better um, and a lot scarier. I don't like Dead Space. It's very... I can't... I cannot say the word space. I keep saying space. Space. <sighs> anyway, I... it releases on January 27th next year. So we have a few months to go yet, but it says pretty soon, actually. So we haven't seen this game yet. I was surprised that this is the first time we've seen it, especially with that January release. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be honest... I feel like Callisto Protocol, which is like essentially a Dead Space game, looks better. Mm. Not that this looks bad, but I feel like Callisto Protocol looks like a more a more contemporary take on the formula with like some interesting changes. And this is just a remake of Dead Space, which is not a problem. But, you know, if I'm paying 70 bucks for a game, I feel like I'd rather play the like hot new Callisto Protocol and not a remake of something I could play for free. That's still, like, Dead Space is not a bad-looking game at all, the original. Do you, do you think it's going to be, like, a full 70? Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. Oh. Where does it say that? On the pre-order page, I believe. Let me double-check. I don't want to be... I don't want to be misrepresenting Dead Space. Pre-order. 
why is it so hard to hit pre-order? I clicked pre-order and it's taking me like, yeah, it's 70. Yeah, that's a bit much for a remake. It's 80 for the digital deluxe edition, unless you have EA Play, and that's 72. You can anyway, pay yeah. 10 extra dollars for three unique suits and two suit textures. Wow, that's <laughs> insane. Thanks, EA. Never change. Um, Something else very similar to Dead Space. Bloober team. Yeah, they are, once you go over there in um, Poland? Polish, yeah. Poland, you become Because I just a opened the article and it says translate from Polish, so. Space zombie. Um, <laughs> Bluebird team announced that their game, The Medium, which is a, a horror game, came out a few years ago, um, will become a television series. Um, not really sure where it's going to be. Uh, released at there's no um, there's no confirmation of any sort of uh, actual deal but um, it, there is a Netflix there is someone who produced The Witcher the Netflix's Witcher um, so maybe it'll be on Netflix I mean I feel like Netflix sort of picks up all the video game stuff now so I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that's where we saw it but um, I feel like this does prove that any video game is up for grabs to be turned into a TV show or movie right now because I feel like the medium kind of came and went with very little to do about it. So I'm yeah. surprised. This is probably one of the most surprising TV show adaptation announcements so far. Is it just going to be like, um, oh, what was that show with? Uh... Oh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I forget what it was called. I don't know. I don't I don't know. And I'm sorry I'm wasting time. I really want to find out. You're not out wasting what it time. Is. I you just want to find out what it is. <laughs> um it is funny because like in the talk that they or in the like article they, they actually reference the success of Cyberpunk and Arcane. So I feel like this will probably be animated. Just because to mention those two very specific things instead of bringing up like The Witcher. Which I guess is technically an adaptation of the book. I just feel like bringing those up. It's probably going to be a Netflix animated series if I had to put money on it. The show is literally called Medium. And wow. it was on NBC. So you think this is just going to be that? But but maybe animated whole... and maybe more based on the game. <laughs> on the game, the medium. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I played this game when it came out. Did I? Was that before or after the show started? That was that during was the show. Because it was how I tried Xbox streaming. Oh, yeah. that was when it wouldn't stream. Very, it was garbage on the streaming, so I didn't actually play very much. It's coming to the PlayStation Plus um, premium plan, though, so maybe I'll give it another try. Yeah. I, for it some did, reason, I always got this one con confused with control. It's like the same. It's like the same facial expression of the woman on the cover. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Probably. And she's posing similar because they're both doing like this thing where they're like holding something. Right. Right. Oh, no. Right. Control. She's holding a gun. There is no discernible reason that I would get these games confused. So I appreciate you trying to justify my uh, mania to the audience. But um, unfortunately, I just don't have all my marbles. I'm sorry. That's I okay. Shouldn't. I'm sure you playing that PSP was just really bad for your for your eyes and your brain. So Yeah, but here's some good news. One of my favorite PSP games, Persona 3 Portable, <gasps> um, is coming to modern platforms on January 19th next year, including 
not just Persona 3 Portable, also Persona 4 Golden. Um, this is very exciting to me because at that point, Persona 5 will also be on these platforms. Um, I mean, they're already kind of... Uh, anyway, the point is, this is very exciting because it's very hard to play Persona 3 Portable. And now it won't be hard anymore. And I'm going to be playing it. And I'm excited to talk about it. Even though it's an old game, it'll be new on January 19th, 2023. Um, sorry, I hate that that mouth noise that I just made and I made it. So, I, Ooh, it I did was it inaudible. Again. It's like inaudible on microphone. So you're really just in your own head here. Okay, you're right. I'm really, I'm very excited about this. Partially because it's coming to Game Pass, so I don't have to pay. Um, yeah, you know what would be cool would be like a physical like collection. Yeah. <gasps> ah, I just love so when they good. acknowledge the female protagonist from Persona Three Portable, and they've been acknowledging her a lot lately. And um, this is just confirmation that she is still an important character. I mean, in like the key art that they made for this announcement, it has uh, the Persona Four protagonist on the left with his uh, persona above him, Persona 5 protagonist with his persona above him. And then on the right is the female Persona 3 protagonist. And then the, the male ones just kind of like sit on a desk nearby, not following the conventions. And I think that's very funny that they're like, nah, he, he's secondary. He's just going to sit on a desk. Yeah, he's not important. So I'll probably, I, I'll probably finally play Persona 3 on January 19th via Xbox Game Pass. So I'm excited about that. Yeah going to be fun another release that i am absolutely thrilled for need for speed unbound was announced it is a new need for speed game highly stylized way more so than the previous games lots of graffiti effects it's coming to playstation 5 and series x as well as pc on december 2nd it's exciting that it's coming so soon since it was just announced um i think it looks really cool i'm not excited for it even though i said i was but um, I still think it looks really cool. I like the cell shaded art style that they have for the characters. Uh, it features ASAP Rocky, who I, who is somebody that I know who that is. I know who that is. He's a rapper. He is um, Rihanna's baby father. Um, he well, is he's, well is respected that he's in, in the, this? the fashion community. I don't. I guess it's good. I didn't know he was. I guess he's into cars. He raps about cars. So. I, I, I agree with you. I think this looks really good. I think it has a really unique style for a game like for a racing game. Um, so I probably, like you, I probably won't play it. But I think it's cool that they have sort of gone in a different direction. Because the characters themselves are really stylized. But when you look at the cars, they're very realistic. Yeah. With some like fancy stylized rims and stuff. So yeah. I think cool. the most exciting part is that they announced it so close to release. Because they just announced it and it's out in less than two months. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Very, very neat. Um, and as we approach December, as we approach the end of the year, it, it starts to be Game Awards uh, time. And uh, it was teased that we will see a new Crash Bandicoot game at this year's Game Awards, which are December 8th. Don't you love hearing about an announcement two <laughs> months before the show even is yeah i'm so annoyed <laughs> yeah i mean 
I think the thing is, is that when you keep things quiet like this, obviously there's some like deals going on where it's like, you need to tease your game before the game awards so people will watch the game awards and will, you know, whatever. But um, I don't know. I guess I just wish that you could experience that sort of like organic, like, what's this trailer for? Oh my gosh, it's for this. It's only Jeff shows that do that, though. I feel like. I know it's it's like a marketing thing. It's like he wants people to watch the show. So he makes I'm sure he makes these deals with these companies to tease the game beforehand. It's just silly. It feels like it's very heavily monetary motivated, which like, of course, all these shows are just big commercials. But like a PlayStation showcase or a Nintendo showcase or even an Xbox showcase is just like, yeah, we're we're going to show you games. If that's something you want to see, come watch. I'm sure there'll be something exciting. But Jeff is like, is he scared that if he doesn't specifically say what is going to be there that nobody will show up? Because he doesn't have any surprises, you know? Yeah. Even, like, Elden Ring was, like, kind of teased. And then freaking, what's his name, Ryan Reynolds, said that Elden Ring was going to be in the end of the show, which was terrible. Yeah, who invited that guy? I don't know. I don't like him. Am I allowed to say that on the show? Well. I don't like Ryan Reynolds. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, my gosh. Um, But Kelly brought up Crash. I played a game. I played Crash 4. But before we get to that, we have a very exciting word from our co-sponsor. You all know them. You all love them. Sentry. Well, today we have something a little different to tell you about because Sentry is doing something special this week. Pittsburgh's favorite regional Smash Ultimate Tournament The Gamble returns to Washington, Pennsylvania on October 15th. This will be featuring a $300 pot bonus and stacked with great competition. You don't want to miss this. Trust me, I'm excited to be seeing it. Century Esports will be streaming the tournament live at twitch.tv backslash pghcentry. That is twitch.tv backslash pghscentry. So be sure to follow so you know when they go live. We'll see you there on October 15th for The Gamble 3. This is the third one. 300 bucks is like a lot of money for a local tournament like that. So I feel like the competition is going to be really exciting and like people will be in it. Yeah. I'm excited. It'll be fun to watch. It's going to be tense. It's going to be tense. It's going to be people are going to be crashing into each other. Nice transition back into Crash. I played Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. I did it because of the news about Crash, and I was like, oh, I should play Crash 4. It's in my PlayStation Plus library. So I decided to play it. Um, I thought the game was long. It's not long. Um, Just my impressions, though. It is so beautiful to look at. The music specifically is really good at tapping into nostalgia, so you can enjoy, like, a new, fresh game with these kind of, like, hinted nostalgic melodies under everything, and I really like that. The animations were really incredible. Um, probably my only disappointment related to that is that some of the cutscenes are pre-rendered. So, you know, the real-time cutscenes look really good on PS5. They're they're in 4K, high resolution, high frame rate. Um, but then when they get pre-rendered, they're like slightly lower frame rate and notably le- lower resolution. And I get that this game was on, on Switch too, so some cutscenes had to be pre-rendered. But it did disappoint me. Um, I really like the gameplay. 
it feels a lot more polished to me than the remasters of the original trilogy. And the level designs obviously are a lot more exciting and modern because this game was made recently and not in the 90s. <laughs> um, there are some frustrating mechanics involved. There are, are secondary playable characters um, beyond Crash and Coco, who are like the two central. And those those side characters, they don't move exactly how you would hope, or at least how I would hope. And really the biggest defense is that sometimes they don't do what you'd expect. So it feels like your inputs don't do what they should all the time. Um, there's one character, Dingo Dial, who has really cool, interesting mechanics. And I think he's the best of those side characters. But um, Tana and especially Neocortex do not play how I would expect or how I'd want them to. So that was a that was a disappointment, but alas, that's how it goes. Because Crash and Coco feel great, so it's not a big deal. Um, it does feel to me kind of like the gameplay challenge here is is more about learning the levels and less about understanding the gameplay mechanics that you have. So like you think of a game like Mario Odyssey or a game like Hat in Time, and the challenge more so is about learning those, as they call them, expressive platforming mechanics. So you kind of get to decide how you move and you learn those mechanics and how you can utilize those in the world. This game is not really that. It's very straightforward mechanics and it's mostly about understanding the obstacles than actually understanding the mechanics. Some of the challenges are just going to be functionally impossible your first time or so because you will just have to have seen what they do to you to win, you know? And that's something I, I kind of wish was in here more. Like, if you were good at the mechanics, you theoretically could pass any challenge first time you saw it. Um, and I want to make it clear. I had a lot of negative thoughts here. It sounded like there was a lot of downsides. But I had a very fun time playing through this game. I ran straight through the story. I didn't do any of, like, the side stuff. And I didn't focus too much on, like, gems or collecting everything. And it took me five hours to get to the credits. I think the story was fun. It was silly and pretty much in the background, which is fine for a game like this. I don't think you need a deep story in Crash. But I'm glad I finally played this game. I used to love the originals as a kid, and I was honestly pretty disappointed with the remaster. It didn't feel right to me. So this feels like kind of a return to form in my in my mind. And now I'm excited to see what the new game is at that Game Awards reveal. I'm curious. Crash Team Soccer. Okay. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say racing. And I'm like, we have that, Kelly. <laughs> um, another game I played, and I promised this one to the audience, and it's a little spooky. Cult of the Lamb. I loved this game. I think it melds a lot of very interesting mechanics. It's kind of like, you know the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. But like jack of all trades, pretty good at most trades, you know? Does that make sense? They're not yes. ma they're not masters, but but they're pretty good. Yes. Um, I think the management. If you don't know what this game is, it is half roguelike combat and half managing a cult. So you'll be managing the members, making sure they're well fed, making sure they have somewhere to sleep, making sure they have somewhere to um, relieve themselves. <laughs> um, and then you go to church and they worship you as you do a sermon. It's very fun, very unique. I've definitely not played anything like it. Um, the management is kind of simple, but it is very fun. The progression starts pretty slow, and I think that's that's good because it's very satisfying and it gets you into it uh, gradually so you don't get overwhelmed. But boy, oh boy, by the end, it is 
breakneck pace. It is incredibly fast. I even became overwhelmed at the end because I had so many followers. I had like 32 followers at once and like trying to manage that many people was scary. And then like a sickness went through my cult and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't handle this. I need you guys to chop wood, but you're all sick. Um, outside of the management, the combat is very fun. It's very fast. Um, I think while it's not the most polished thing in the world, especially if you've played things like Hades, you might be a little, it might feel a little more floaty, but I think that the real positive is that the weapons and powers, there's a lot of variety with them. It's random what weapon and power you go into a level with, so it kind of forces you to try new things. And I think that was good because like some weapons, like there's like an axe and a hammer that are really slow, and I probably wouldn't have picked them, but because the game forced me to try them, I ended up liking them the most, and I really like... That's something I really like. It's kind of like that Breath of the Wild weapon-breaking mentality. People are mad at it because it's like, I want to do what I want to do, but it forces you to learn the cool things that you might have missed. And I think that's really on show here. For me, there's a normal difficulty mode, and that was a little too easy. Uh, but sadly, hard mode was a little too hard. And I feel like they... I wish there was a little more customization with that. They have four difficulty modes, but they didn't. none of them kind of served what I wanted. Because with hard, I was losing a little too much. And with easy, I didn't lose at all. Or, sorry, with normal, I didn't lose at all. But, hey, I think this game's uh, a lot faster than other roguelites because the upgrades that you get to your characters as you go through the management part of the game are really substantial. They enormously increase your power, so they make the runs a lot easier and a lot faster, particularly. And there's also four zones instead of one long roguelike run. So you have to do each zone to the boss, and then you'll have to do that a few times each but you don't have to do the entire game in one run. It's split into parts, which I think is smart. Keeps it from being overwhelming or too difficult. I really loved this game. I highly recommend it. It's available on PlayStation, PC, Switch. I played it on PS5. I had some stutters in my performance, so I do have concerns. If you want to play it on Switch, I think you should probably look into that first, because if my PS5 was struggling at points... That little baby switch might have <laughs> have some deep breathing needed between sessions. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You wouldn't think that a game like Cult of the Lamb would would put so much stress on a system. Yeah, all about that optimization, I guess. So all about it. So thank you to the team who made that. I should know that. I know it's published by Devolver. Am I a bad person for not knowing the developer of Cult of the Lamb? No. I Are you sure? Either. Well, yeah, I'm going to look, but why is the first thing that I saw, what is the gender of the cult of the lamb, lamb? I don't care. You don't need a gender to be happy. The lamb is a genderless being, which well, is why I think they're might... so easily worshipable. I think that might be wrong, but uh, but still, sorry. Um. Anyway. It's developed by Massive Monster. Sorry for that delay. And published by Devolver. Thank you, Massive Monster, for that wonderful product. Kelly. Yes. Still spooky season. It is. You know what that means. It is. Before, before I touch upon uh, my resident, my, as we continue my Resident Evil retrospective, um, 
I did want to talk a little bit about Overwatch 2 because I did play it. Um, just to give a little, some, some impressions. Um, I haven't played it for very long. I will say the gameplay itself is very, very similar to <laughs> Overwatch. Uh, kind of like you were saying, I don't really get it. I don't know why they released it. I don't think it was necessary to release it now other than to build hype because there's no PvE, which is one of the, the biggest draws yeah. of Overwatch 2. Um, and it doesn't have PvE yet, as we know. Um, it mechanically feels very similar to the first Overwatch game, but I think the next gen or current genness of it all is nice. Um, you know, PlayStation console players can finally play a version of the game that's not, you know, 30 frames per second. Yeah. And those kinds of things are important for uh, FPS games, like frames and stuff like that. Um, there is cross-progression. I've been playing on PS5 just because it was easiest for me. But there is cross-progression, so I'll probably log in on PC as well and try and get some games in just to get a good feel for it. Um, I think the Battle Pass system is absolutely insanely absurd. Um, I I do understand it's a free to play game. I'm under no, um, I'm under no illusions that I wouldn't have to be paying for anything. But uh, the free battle pass rewards are just, um, they're just like nothing. They're nothing. Um, and the premium ones are are fine. Uh, but if you want to buy a skin, you have to pay a certain amount of coins and, and you can't earn coins like you could, like you used to with no more loot boxes. Never thought I'd miss the day of loot boxes. Um, <laughs> so I just don't really know. I feel like they need to tweak the battle pass system because it's just so hard for new players to really get in, which should not be the case for a new game, even though it's not really a new game, they're kind of marketing it as a new game. Um, New players should not have such huge barriers to entry, including, and we talked about this last week, but including the locking the heroes. I will say I could not log into my old Battle.net account because I lost the email and I can't verify it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I did not have, you know, two-factor. I don't, I did, my email was the only way of verif verifying my account. So I was not able to log into my old account, so I'm starting completely fresh. That means no skins, no gold guns, no rank, no nothing. I'm like, I'm going into it as a brand new player. Um, and it's just sort of abysmal the way that you can't play certain characters. Um, it was very quick for me to unlock quite a few of them. I think I've unlocked like Genji and Hanzo and Diva and Cassidy, but uh, it's just, it's just not, it's not right. I don't agree with, locking heroes i think that's very peculiar um and i don't think that the new character should be locked behind the battle pass either so yeah. it i was having fun i did find myself having fun and sort of reminiscing on like early overwatch days like 2016 um like summer of 2016 when i played it like every day i was enjoying myself um and it's just it just feels a little bit different because there are new players that it is sort of alive again. Not saying that the original Overwatch was dead, but you know you try playing it in 2019 and it's it just wasn't it didn't have the same energy that it had in 2016 or 2017. So yeah, that was fun. I'll probably play a little bit more. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like a mainstay online game for me because I do also um, 
play a lot of Dead by Daylight, and I just can't break away from that. It's a problem. But so those well, are my one, one feels a little less toxic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those are sort of my thoughts on Overwatch Two. Um, another two game that I played <gasps> um, to follow in our in my in a, a retrospective series. Um, I played Resident Evil Two Remake. Um, I am about four and a half hours in. I've been playing as Claire. Um, I am enjoying myself. I think this is a very interesting game in terms of like the setting itself. When you get into the game, it's it's very unique. You're in one building. I mean, Resident Evil 1 was like that too, but, but the building was not as uh, interesting, shall we say. I think RPD is, uh, is a really cool setting. Um, I mean, in my opinion, it is like, arguably one of if not the best singular video game location ever yeah i think it's iconic and i think it, it is iconic for good reason um i also thought that as i i'm playing the ps5 version so i bought the disc version of the ps4 disc version and got the free upgrade for the ps5 version it's crisp it's clean um i think it looks really good i will also say something that surprised me and maybe it's not surprising but um the sound design is like really, really incredible. I uh, think the zombies sound menacing and scary. And even in the late game, when you have faced, you know, however many zombies and you're like trudging through sewer water and there are like giant monsters trying to kill you, you're st- the sound of the zombies is still enough for me to be like, Ugh. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the sound of Mr. X's footsteps is like haunting. I um when you're in that section of the game in RPD with him, um I have never been felt more like tense playing a game. I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get back to the operations room, you know. And it's just all you hear is like, because he's always following you, yeah. um, no matter where you go. He only leaves you alone for like two little rooms. Um, so I think the sound design is really great. The engine's great. I haven't had any sort of issues. Uh, I think it looks, like I said, I think it looks really good. Um, Resident Evil 2 is a favorite of mine in the series because I feel like it's kind of where the characters get to shine a little bit more. In the first game, you even in the first game's remake, which is quite old at this point, but in the first game's remake, the characters, the voice acting, the animations, they still weren't really that good. Um, yeah. Very clunky, very sort of camp, so to speak. Um, so I think having this remake to really sort of explore more characters like Leon, obviously everybody loves Leon, uh, Claire, Sherry. I mean, you, you, you get a, a better scope of like the resident evil universe, which is, I think why a lot of people are very fond of this game. I also think like we were talking about the setting of it is so iconic that it's like, you know, you, you get in to the police station and you're like, okay. I'm here. Um, so one of my favorites. I enjoy Resident Evil. I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the remake, but um, it's, it's it can be a little bit hard to be invested because it's just so, like, it's so camp. And, of course, I love Jill, but it's, like, Jill's not, like, barely a character in that game. She doesn't yeah. really become a character until 3. Same with Chris, who doesn't really become a character until, like, 5. 5? Five. <laughs> 
I feel like the Chris Redfield that we know is like, I mean, he was only in one and five, right? Before. Yeah. I'm saying he he wasn't in two, three, or four. Correct. So like the Chris Redfield we know is only exists as like the Resident Evil 5 yeah. version. He's like macho man like, hey, it's me, Chris. I'm going to punch this boulder. I do think it's interesting that like, because two is the premiere of Leon. And Leon is inarguably the most iconic protagonist of Resident Evil. I feel like there's arguments to be made that Resident Evil 2 was like the actual start of the seat of the franchise, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like Resident Evil 1 was the origin of the ideas behind it. And Resident Evil 2 was the origin of like what it was to become. Because right. even on PlayStation 1, it was also like, we talked last week about how Resident Evil 1 had those those really hokey live-action cutscenes. Yes. Resident Evil 2 had actual animated cutscenes. So, like, you were seeing the character you were playing as, as they were, and it was the same character through the cutscenes and through the gameplay. And I feel like, for that reason, that's kind of, like, where Resident Evil became itself. And I the would... remake is... Go ahead. I was just going to say I agree. Um I feel like with the first game, it's like, it could be like an arcade game. You know what I mean? Whereas the second game really feels like the beginning of the stories of these characters because they, it's like a through line. You know, you see Leon in two, four, six. You see Chris. Hey, who in... do we appreciate? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you see Chris in five, six. Um, well, I won't say too much more, but you you see him. I mean, that's you see the beginnings of these characters where they go. Um, you know, you see Jill in three and five, and Claire in three and six, and I think no, I don't think Resident Evil Two Remake is my favorite Resident Evil game for sure. I think it is the the best designed. They took what was good about the original and really fleshed it out in the perfect way. The visuals the audio are all perfect that audio design like you said is really incredible like the way you can hear like distance the way things sound muffled in certain circumstances when they need to be really loud and scary in others the puzzle design the layout is the best map design of like a contained game that i've played probably in my life like i said because like it's a big location. That police department is huge. If you put me in it right now, I could walk through, I could get anywhere. And that's insane to me because that's like, a, like I played the game for like 12 to 15 hours. That's not that long in retrospect, but I can still recount how to get around this police station. And that's, that's profound to me. That is truly incredible. And I really think that if you, if you're maybe outside the Resident Evil series or maybe you've only played like Village or something like that, you you owe it to yourself to play Resident Evil 2 Remake. It is not just arguably the best Resident Evil game. It is one of the best games I've ever played, and I love it. I haven't played it in a couple of years, so I didn't I don't have as many as fresh impressions as Kelly, but but I really, really think it's special. And I think it what it's what pushed me from like casual Resident Evil fan to like adorer of the series yeah because before two remake i think i had i had played five and seven and that was it 
Yeah. And then and then I played two, and then I was like, I guess I'm playing the whole series now, you know? Yeah. So definitely, I look forward to playing the third. Well, I've kind of played it a little bit, but I look forward. Oh, to psh, psh, psh. Sorry, 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 sorry. I look forward to playing the third and talking about uh, Jill and um, that other guy in it. Carlos? Carlos? Yeah. I'm not going to talk about Carlos too much. I Why won't. do you like I'm, Carlos I'll, more than Leon? I'll, re- like, I'll, 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 be, I'll, be, I'll be good, okay? I will. No, you can talk about Carlos as much as you want, just next week when we're talking about him. Right, right. If you had to, well, if you had to choose a favorite Resident Evil character, who would it be? Leon. Leon. But probably Resident Evil 2 Leon. Really? Like, yeah, I like young and frisky Leon. I think he's adorable. Frisky? Like young and like, not frisky, what's the word? Like zesty. No, zesty. not zesty. <laughs> like, he's like uh, excited. Yeah, yeah. Even I though he's say, like living through this horrible circumstance. I w- yeah, I, I would say my favorite character is Jill. Valentine. Yeah, Jill's up there. I kind of love, like, I love, if if it's not Leon, it's probably like a tie between Claire, uh, Jill, probably Claire and Jill. Yeah. I love Sheva, but they, they put my girl in a locker and they will not let her out. That's that's so common in Resident Evil. Like I, know. I was thinking about it the Carlos? other day because because I was thinking about Carlos and I looked up what other games he was in and he's in like the last game he was in was Umbrella Chronicles, which was like a shoot 'em up on Wii. Yeah. And that was it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And then like Resident Evil Six was like an all star show. Yeah. But But no Carlos. No, and like especially with the series being like essentially rebooted, I don't know if we'll ever see some of these characters again. Although that Resident Evil 8 DLC, sorry, that Resident Evil Village DLC is coming up soon. And I have a feeling that's going to be like, because it's the end of the quote unquote Winters saga. I have a feeling that like a certain Mr. Kennedy... And maybe even a Mrs. Valentine will make an appearance because they're also moving back to third person. Yeah. And I think if they like, if they did like a six sort of game where it was like not stupid action, it was like a more toned down kind of like the two remake or even kind of like the three remake. If they did something like that as an all star show of like the old cast older years, years later. Oh my gosh, I'm just fantasizing here. Wouldn't that be incredible if Resident Evil, like, not, or it's called Resident Evil 8, like, mm. actually 8. It would be so incredible to see Carlos again. Well, I was talking more about, like, <laughs> the, the like, lead leads. I have selective hearing, so. Also, Carlos, like, I didn't know how different he looked. Because, like, I my experience with the original third was pretty limited. I only played a little bit of the PS1 game. I didn't realize because I just thought he was the big frizzy boy forever. And then I looked back and I was like, oh, he used to look like off-brand Leon. Yeah. With like the part was in the middle instead of on the side. That was the only difference. Yeah, they really uh, they really Fixed improved a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll talk more Resident Evil next week. I am loving Kelly's retrospective. I think it's a fun little activity. I wish more series are like month fitting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Like, I wish there was, like, a, a series of Christmas-themed games that we could do for all of <laughs> December. We could do, like, um, like in the spring, we could do, like, a bunch of farming games, like Stardew Valley, and there's a new That's farming a... game that I want to play. Which been... one? One of the 12 from the Nintendo Direct? 
Um, I'm look I want to play uh, Coral Island, which is actually only in early access right now. So, but it's right. also like twenty bucks. So I'm kind of waiting. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, this spring, we're doing a farming game retro. Well, is it a retrospective? If it's just just like a, we're just gonna journey. do farm farm fest. We're gonna call it farm fest. I'm gonna play Stardew. I promise. Yeah. Okay. But we're also doing that video game company thing where spring could mean whenever we want. Right. Could be <laughs> spring February, could, mean like, could be May. Yeah, could be September. <laughs> it's spring so. somewhere. It's spring in Australia. <laughs> anyway, everybody, we appreciate your time. We love you. We look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. Bye. Bye.